0: Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. I'm so excited that, uh, that I have the great honor and privilege to be able to introduce you tonight to our guest speaker. We call him a guest, but he's really family, um, right? F- pa- Pastor Freddie from Freedom Life. You can clap now if you want to, Jamal, that's all right. <laughs> Pastor Freddie from Freedom Life. Freedom Life is kind of like a like a, a sister church to us, a cousin church, if you will. You're, we're like sister friend churches. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's, if, if, if it was a sister friend church we, that we had, it would be Freedom Life. And um, they're also doing amazing things, and Pastor Freddie is incredible, and uh, I know that he's got lots in store for us tonight, so I'm going to get out of his way. Church, can we give it up uh, for Freddie as he comes? Oh, what's up? Whew. Amen. Hey, man how about that worship man you know uh i got to fix the beard when i take off the mat. i don't know, it's beard problems uh first and foremost I want to say thank you guys so much i also want to thank my wife uh pastor fred called this is my wife jen right here yep so pastor fred called me uh a couple days ago and shared with me uh, that he and his wife, uh, one of them had COVID and so they were quarantining. And he's like, Freddie, I know we had it last month, so we had about a month ago. And he he was calling me like every day during COVID, he like texting me or something. I was like, man, thank you so much. And he's just that friend, you know. And so he reached out to me um, earlier this week. He's like, hey, I need you. <laughs> I was like, okay, no problem. And what's really interesting, hold on, I'm going to fix my watch so I don't talk all night. Is that Okay. Okay. I want to share something with you that just happened to me, and if you don't know me too well, it's going to sound like a flex, and I promise it's not like a subtle flex. I promise. I don't need you to think highly of me. I really don't. I don't care what you think. I'm a guest speaker. I'll be gone next week, so truly, (laughs) no. (laughs) But you know, I I like you know, I'll be personable. But um, no, what happened? The Lord, you you said, remember the first time you partook of uh, of the presence of the grace of God, and I was 14 years old. The night I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember the Lord, I was sitting there, and the Lord said, Hey, do you remember what you said to me that night? And I was like, I don't know. I, I really, was, it took me a second. And then he said, I want you to think about your week. Last week, I had the honor of installing a pastor in San Antonio. And this is the part that, if you don't know me, oh, no, I, just hear me out. Wait till then before you judge. I flew from San Antonio to minister in Chicago. And while I was in Chicago, I get a text from Fred. And so I'm on staff at a church in Chicago. Freedom Life has a campus in San Antonio. And then I was like, yeah, Fred. I, I don't care what it would have took. If, if Fred asked me, I'm going to show up. Because I love Fred and Vanessa. We love their friendship. We're honored to be able to get to do life with them. I would have canceled on some other church to come here for him. because I'm just, I just wouldn't have told him. I would have just said it's a family urgency. Praise the Lord. So, so I flew, we flew home. Um. Get ready, and I'm here tonight, and then tomorrow I get to be with uh, the, the family in Hampton. And, and, and so I've had the opportunity in, in, in the course of eight days, I will have the opportunity to be a part of ministry to, in eight different environments for the Lord. And, and what's the irony there, the reason that I even bring that up is because the very first thing I ever said to God, the night I gave my life to Jesus, I looked at my friend Clint Jones and his dad, Cal Jones, the man who led me to the Lord, and I said, I'll be one of these Christians, but I'm not going to be one of those weirdos that go around telling everybody about Jesus. And when you said, remember, the Lord took me back to that place, and he made me laugh because he said, I've spent your whole life telling you what you're not going to tell me. (laughs) I was like, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight, if that's okay. If you want to make God laugh, tell him what he can't do through you. I'll tell you, man, he has spent the last, I don't know how old I am, uh, how old am I, 43? Anyway, I'm grateful for my wife because tonight's our anniversary. And I said, yeah, so we're, she didn't hesitate. I said, babe, Fred asked if I could go minister at City Life, and she was like, let's go. And she said, that's how we'll spend our anniversaries. No, we went, we went out last night, had a great time, but, but she's here with me and ministering with me. You'll find out a few things about me. One, I have ADHD, so sometimes I will start a story and forget. That's okay, Anthony, I'm just going to, just, you're my guy, just. You were making a point too. I think there's that post-COVID fog is real. Like, like, I, like, sometimes I just lose my train of thought. I have lost my filter too, apparently. So hopefully, won't. I won't get Pastor Fred in trouble or get uninvited for the rest of your ministry. I did, man. Chris, I, you think I didn't ever have one? Is that okay? I got you. Chris knows me pretty well. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, oh, the assignment. I'm excited because. I really feel like the Lord brought me here with an assignment for your church, with an assignment. It's like, you know. Sometimes pastors show up and they just preach a message like that they've preached before because they're like, Oh yeah, you know, this is a this is one of those messages and sometimes pastors, you know, we, we have time to study and think through. As soon as Fred called me, I I, I was like, Absolutely, and I knew immediately the Lord said there's an impartation, uh, that there's an assignment, there's a preparation for the season that City Life is walking into. So I'm like, Okay, Lord, what is it? And I'm gonna be honest with you, I could not figure it out until like yesterday and And honestly, I I was texting with Fred. I was like, hey, I got a couple ideas, but I'm not real sure. I'm not hearing from God. And the Lord said something very clear to me. He said, I want you to speak the message that I have written through your life because it is one that is going to connect with city life. Because a message prepared with your mind will reach a mind, but a message prepared with your life will reach a life. And there's a message that God has been writing in our lives for, for over a decade. It's, it's something that I just heard years ago, years ago from the Lord, and, and it's something I wanted to invite you into. And the reason why is because the season where you are going, I believe God wants you to be able to grab a hold of this. So if you will, we're going to dive into a very difficult moment in the life of John the Baptist tonight. And this passage is very familiar to me because I've gone back to it time and time again in the stretch. Last week, um, your pastor, Fred, preached an incredible message. And I had the chance to watch it and check it out, and I was blessed by it. And he asked you to say yes to some things. And what I would like to talk to you about tonight is how to still say yes in the stretch. You see, the yes to Jesus is easy. The yes to the... Sa- I got saved after one sermon about hell, and I knew I didn't want to go there. It took a few years for, for... It took a few minutes for Jesus to be my savior, but it took a few years for me to trust him as my Lord. Last week... Your pastor got up and cast a compelling, powerful vision that is birthed out of the integrity of a man who sits before God, listens to the word of God, and imparts it regardless of whether it's popular or not. That man is a man of integrity. He's one of my best friends because of it. And I'll tell you what, when he spoke, he spoke to you, God's challenge to your church. And it was a captivating message. It was inspiring. And all of us were praying about it, right? You're thinking, what's my yes? What's my yes? You got this card. What what is God calling me to? And when there is excitement in the room, it's easy to fill this out. But when there's challenge in the house, it's tough to live it out. Saying yes is easy. Living yes is a stretch. And the good news is God doesn't leave us like absent of examples on this. I'll move that right there. Um, in scripture, even his cousin Gets thrown under the bus. I love it. I mean, I, I, one, I love the Bible is no longer being written. Amen. Because I, I I just told you about the highlights of my week. Like, man, I got to minister in San Antonio, then I got to go to Chicago, then I, but what I didn't tell you about is the struggles. And God would have told you about them. And I'm glad I could show up here without you having to, like, read all my junk. Aren't you glad for the grace of the cross? Amen. That He uses us. And anyway, I want to move on to still say yes. In the stretch. Your pastor asked you last week something that, as I was listening to Pastor Fred's message, it really, really, really challenged me. He asked this question when he began the message. He said, when is the last time you felt hesitant because God was asking you to do something for him that made you uncomfortable? And man, as I was thinking about that, I thought, that is still true for all of us. The good news is, he already knows everything about you before he called you. In fact, he knows you so well that he knew you were capable of whatever he would call you to. And who are you and I to argue with God? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the New Living Translation says it like this. It says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Would you turn to somebody and just say you're a masterpiece? If you're on the chat if you're on the chat, just put it in the chat. You're a masterpiece. If you're on Facebook Live and you're single, slide into some DMs. You're a master. No, I'm just kidding. That's every single guy's dream in the church. Okay, I'm, I told you I might not get invited. Back. Pray for me. Now look at somebody else in the room and just say, guess what? God did a great job on you. Go ahead. just Go for it. Yeah, the person you ignored the first time, look at them, you know. Love on them too. God did a great, he knew exactly what he was getting you into because he knew exactly what he put into you. And so as God invites us to partner with the the house, as God invites you to be part of the vision of city life, he knows that you are capable of the yes that he's asking of because he's the one that put it inside of you to begin with. And so of us, it's just a matter of constant surrender. But we have to surrender more when there's more stretch. And I want to talk about that if I could, because the good news is God specifically designed you for the calling He's placed in front of you. That's the good news, right? He already put it in you. The bad news is those ingredients don't come with easy. He didn't say it was going to be easy, but He said it was going to be worth it. He didn't say it was going to be simple. But he said he would be with us. In fact, he did not promise us this Jesus bubble where all the troubles of life would just bounce off as we were obedient to his yes. What he actually said was this, the world hates me. And if it hates me, it's going to hate you too. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know what he said? He said, yeah, there's a real enemy. But he can't beat you because I beat him. He said, there's a real opposition. There will be storms, but guess who's in the boat with you in the storm? The one who can speak to the storm. The one who's greater than the storm. In fact, I heard a preacher say a long time I will never forget it. I heard a preacher say a long, long time ago, he was like, he said, if you, it's a southern dude, from, you know, he's got that twang, right, in the south. He's like, if you are not facing opposition from the devil, it might be because you and him are going the same direction. I never forgot that. And y'all, y'all can talk to me. Listen, I knew when Fred wasn't going to be here. I'm expecting in the chat to read, come on. I know Fred. That's good. I love being anywhere with Fred. People, when God starts talking, man, people start, he's like, come on. I'm like, yeah, Fred, come on. I'm going to leave Fred alone because he can't. he's not here to defend himself. Can I talk to you about John the Baptist? He was the cousin of Jesus for those of you uh, maybe who aren't as familiar with the, the journey of Scripture. So Jesus shows up. And before he's born, his cousin is set apart by an angel who speaks to, uh, to his mother, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, and he says that your son will be set apart from birth. He will be a Nazarite. And what that meant was a commitment to three things, to never drink or eat, uh, never I'm sorry, to never drink wine, basically, the fruit of the vine, uh, to never touch anything dead, and to never cut his hair. That was the Nazarite vow. Uh, the thing is, normally a Nazarite would do this for a prescribed season. But, but John the Baptist was set apart apart. For life, and so his locks were even longer than yours, David. I mean, he just his whole life he was set apart to this covenant. Okay, so think about this: you are the cousin of Jesus. When when Mary came into the room with Elizabeth inside the womb, John the Baptist started prophesying by kicking around. He was was announcing the presence of the Messiah in the womb. That's the word of God. In fact, if you want to read it for yourself, it's Luke 1, verse 41, that John leapt in Mary's womb. I mean, Elizabeth's womb. He didn't leap into Mary's womb. That's another Bible. We don't read that one here. He leapt around in his mama's womb when Mary entered the room with Jesus in her womb. He was acknowledging and recognizing the Messiah before he was even born. Okay? Okay. After Malachi, the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. There's 400 years of silence before God sends another prophet. And it is John the Baptist. He gets to be the first mouthpiece of God in 400 years. Think about that honor. After 400 years of not hearing from God, John the Baptist gets to be the one who prepares the way of the Lord. He's the one in the wilderness saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. My cousin. Now, he didn't say my cousin. He didn't try, you know, he didn't try to like flex or get that like name drop, right? Hey, Jesus, yeah, remember when yeah, I used to beat you up when we were kids. He, he never acknowledges the relationship. He only acknowledges the presence of the king. And then he says this: when Jesus comes to be baptized by John the Baptist, he says, You should be baptizing me. I'm not even fit to untie your sandals. But he gets the honor of baptizing Jesus. Because before that, he had the honor of being God's mouthpiece. This is a powerful minister. This is a man of God set apart from birth who happens to be the cousin of the Savior. Who happens to announce the arrival of the Messiah. And get to see the clouds part. Anthony read it for us earlier. Behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? John's like the guy in the pool with Jesus when he does that. How cool would that be? And then something happens. The ministry of Jesus takes off. Jesus picks 12 disciples, he doesn't pick John. Jesus shows up at Lazarus's funeral, raises him from the dead. John is still faithfully ministering, and his church is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And some of, the, some of the elders of the church, some of the, some of the overseers of the church, some of the, the you know, First Impressions folks come up to, to, to John and are like, hey, John, look, we heard that your cousin started a church across town and everybody's going to your cousin's church. Man, talk to your cousin. That's not right. John says, are you kidding me? He's the groom. I'm a groomsman. He says, no, this is his bride. I must decrease that Christ would increase. Out of obedience to God, John confronts Herod because he has married his brother's wife. He's like, hey, God's not okay with that. He gets put in jail. Because of his obedience to God, he gets put in jail. We don't know how long he was in jail, but I'm going to tell you how it ended. It ended with him getting his head chopped off. Okay? So somewhere between him getting put in jail and his head getting lopped off, some scholars think it was up to a year. He sends his people to go talk to Jesus because... He's confused. There's a few stretches that I want us to talk to. We're gonna be, if you wanna flip there, we're gonna be in um, Matthew 11. The first stretch that I wanna talk about is still saying yes in a stretch of confusion. And confusion is caused often by circumstances. What do you do when you're being obedient to God and you're not seeing blessing and favor? What do you do when you're tithing and you get a demotion at work, not a promotion? What do you do when you've chosen to honor God with your sexual purity and now nobody will date you? What do you do when you're alone in a room and you want to be with somebody else but you're not going to because you love them and care about them and it's bothering you that you're stuck in the midst of a situation that's bigger than you? What do you do? When your cousin is the Messiah and you've been in prison for up to a year out of obedience to God, what do you do when he doesn't come through for you the way you expect him to? I want to just invite that tension for a second. Confusion from circumstance. Let's go to Matthew 11. And we're going to look at verse 2 and 3. Matthew 11, verse 2 and 3. We're going to spend our time in Matthew Matthew 11. When John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Can we just stop for a split second? Because John was hearing what Jesus was doing, ruining Lazarus' funeral, right? Feeding 5,000. Fulfilling the promise of Isaiah 61, which he announced in Luke chapter 4. What did he say? He came to what? Set the captives free to release the oppressed, those in bondage, to deliver, to heal the blind and the sick, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I wonder if John the Baptist is thinking, hey, my cousin said that he came to set the captives free. I'm his cousin. I'm in jail. Where is he? Where is he? I hear that he can do miracles. I hear that he can do signs. I hear that he can do wonders. Has he forgotten about me? I know nobody else has ever felt like that. I know none of us, church. We're talking about those people over at Freedom Life, those other Christians, those other churches, right? Those, those, when, we, when we get to a point where we say, God, I see you doing this in their marriage. What about mine? I see you doing this with their kids. What about mine? I see you doing this with their finances. What about mine? I see this is a normal, natural thing because circumstances can cause a stretch of confusion. What do you do in the stretch of confusion? Well, I believe that the solution to confusion begins with what you look at. We can look at what's not happening or we can look at what is. I think it's normal to ask the question, That he asked. I think it's totally appropriate. And I think we have a God big enough to deal with the confusion of our isolation. Some of us have experienced, my wife and I, we were in isolation in our bedroom. We did 12 days. We were told to do 10 days. I called the church. I was like, I want to be extra careful because I love my wife. 12, wait, you're telling me I got to do 10 days alone with my wife? How much do I have to pay for this doctor bill? It's the best news I have ever received, praise God. No, listen. We're we're healthy, and I I don't want anybody to hear me making light of the pandemic because I've got friends who have passed. I I promise you, I we are blessed. We're grateful that we are healthy, and I want you to know we're praying. Y'all should all be praying for your pastors because this is not a joke, and I don't want to make a joke of something that is real. I always try to find the joy in everything I can. I lost my sense of smell and taste. I said praise God because we just started a churchwide fast. Seriously, I felt like I was cheating on the. I don't care what I eat or don't eat when I can't smell or taste it. I got a quarantine for 10 days. Praise God, because I got a lovely wife. I mean, you got to choose what you're looking at, right? Now, it wasn't easy for my wife to be in a room with me for 10 days. We woke up on day nine and I heard her praying, Lord, is he really the one or are you going to send another? I said, What? It's not true. It's not true. That's, that's the journey of our last month with something that we had to do. Some of us, that's the journey of our spiritual life right now. Some of us, that's the journey of our intimacy life right now because we've been obedient to God. And we're still finding ourselves in a stretch. And it is confusing. You know, I've been through a couple of stretches over the years. And, and God points me back to Matthew 11. Can we continue in verse 4? This is the answer that Jesus gives Go back and report to John what you, have, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Sometimes proximity breeds familiarity. Sometimes we think that our devotion translates into some type of equity where God is now responsible to our agenda for our life. God has not called us to bless us. God has called us to an obedience that blesses the kingdom. And the kingdom narrative is different because it's, than ours because it's not limited by our imagination. If God existed to serve me, you guys would not be having fun. Praise God that it's not about me. It's never been about me. It won't ever be about me. It's about him, his glory, his alone. He doesn't need to share it, and he doesn't. But he invites us to carry it. Isn't that amazing? And you know how he invites us to carry his glory? By being stretched. By being stretched. By saying yes in the stretch. He doesn't call us to the recliner. He calls us to the cross. That's easy to preach. It's hard to live. I'm just telling you, I mean, it's easy to get up here and say that. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I think God's response when I'm in the stretch of confusion and my circumstances are louder than my intimacy with him is, oh, he, I wrote this down years ago and I go back to it because what I read is this, it's not as bad as you think it is. Truly. What does he say? Go tell John what you've seen. People are, are experiencing the kingdom. It's not as bad as he thinks it is because he's in prison right now. It's not as bad as he thinks it is. Here, I got a crazy theory. Can I just go on a, on a tangent here and give you a crazy theory? Is that okay? I'm not, I don't want to get into the heresy camp. This is frediology. I promise I'm just thinking about stuff. I'm not telling you this is the word of God. But I've got this crazy theory about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was faithful his entire life. It gets him put in prison. And in the natural, he's like, yo, when are you going to come get me? Like, seriously, like you're my cousin. You're the Messiah. Open the prison doors. Set the captives free. Bring up a well. No. Chris loves it when I sing. He says, I'm stuck. And I have this crazy notion that Jesus could have rescued him if he wanted to. You know, Jesus could have stepped in. Jesus could have showed up. Jesus could have had an angel open the doors and throw open the gates just like when Peter and John were arrested. He, when Paul and, and Silas were arrested. He can do miracles. But he didn't. Why did he let his cousin die in prison? So here's this crazy theory I got. John the Baptist was the first person to declare Jesus the Messiah. John the Baptist was the first person that we read about in scripture to die after declaring Jesus the Messiah. I'm just wondering if Jesus let John die so that he could be the first one to meet him in heaven when he paid for his sins and he rose from the dead and John the Baptist got to be the first one standing there high-fiving his cousin in, in heaven. And if John had got his answer, he would have missed out on the moment. And I wonder if Jesus was looking at his faithfulness and saying, if there's anybody he deserves to be resurrected with me in the first fruit of the resurrection, it will be the one who was faithful for his whole life in the wilderness. (laughs) Sometimes God's writing a story that we can't imagine. You want more? Okay. I heard one preach, I'm going to preach. What about still saying yes in the stretch of comparison? This is a cultural thing, right? Comparison, right? Instagram. My kids talk about TikTok. My kids can't figure out TikTok, which I think is awesome. They're like, I don't understand. Like, like my daughter, like she does these little videos. And then she did a video with me and it, like went, it went like mini viral. Because we were just being goofy. And she's like, that's not like... <laughs> They're all saying that you're their dad, too. I don't want to be, I don't want to trend because you're in a video with me being silly. And my son was like, I can't figure it out. I'm like, how about if you don't figure it out? How about if you don't care? How about if there's another app that's going to come out in three weeks and it has nothing to do with your identity or value or worth or who you are in Christ? It's just a thing. Who cares how many friends and likes you got? They're not your friends. If you think they're your friends, see how many show up, you get in trouble. Anyway. <laughs> Comparison culture. Man, he went to Lazarus' place. He didn't pick me to be one of the 12. I always wanted to be taller. My whole, I'm 5'8". All my life. I, I played basketball when I was a kid. You know how tough it is to play basketball and talk trash when you're 5'8"? <laughs> I talk trash my whole life, too. God's still working on that one. About eight years ago, I decided I no longer wanted to be taller. I always thought that when I get to the right height, I'll be the right weight for my height. I'm just waiting on my last growth spurt, according to my doctor. But then I started flying because God was creating these opportunities for us in San Antonio and then this thing in Chicago. And you know what? I realized I don't want to be six foot two on an airplane. I I watch you six foot. All the six foot plus people in the room just wave at me real quick. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Just kidding. If you're online. That was for you too, Pastor Fred. God bless you. I love you. But you know what? I can't wait to get on an airplane with you. You know why? Because they cram all in, and I look at these guys. I feel horrible for them, but I still leave my seat back. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I do sit there in my chair like I'm like a kid on a ride at Bush Gardens. I'm like, I don't know if I want to cross my feet. If I want to like lounge. I realize I'm not short. I'm travel sized. What are, you, what are you comparing yourself to and why? Because it might be that God's unique imprint in your life has to do with his calling in your life. He doesn't need you to be the next Fred or Pastor Vanessa or Juice. I know him from Juice. If you met Justin, cool, you can call him Pastor Juice. I call him Pastor Juice because that's, uh, you know, as like my wife, I call her Jen. Her family calls her Jenny. She said, no, you didn't meet me when I was Jenny. You met me as Jen so you don't get to call me that. I'm like, we're married. Anyway. God doesn't need another one of us. He doesn't need another Pastor Dave. He needs the first you. The kingdom, he spent too much time on you for you to try to be somebody else. My friend, Pastor Chris Hoyt, another local pastor, he he said something I'll never forget. He said, God spent nine months knitting you together in your mother's womb. Think about that. Months. Some of us were preemies and praise God. He he, he worked in our life and we're here. But he's... Spent months. And then he says this. He said, if you read scripture, it only took him six days to create all things that are yet to be discovered, but he spent nine months on you. Don't you think there's intentionality there? What's God's answer to comparison? This is what I think it is. The first one is, it's not as bad as you think it is, right? That's for confusion. What about comparison? Is you're doing better than you think you are. often. When we get in a stuck place, we imagine the worst, not just about the world, not just about God, but actually about ourselves. What am I doing wrong? I tried this and it's not working. I'm trying. It's just we haven't got to where the process is completed yet. Don't judge the finish line when you're halfway through the marathon. Let's go back to Matthew. Let's pick up verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Did you catch that? As John's disciples were leaving, in fact, the other translation of this says, when John's disciples left, Jesus turned to face the crowd. So John's disciples came to ask a question. They get the answer. He says, let him know the kingdom is here. Yes, it's worth the effort. Yes, it's worth the sacrifice. Go tell him what you have seen. Because it's the last thing he's going to hear. They leave. Jesus turns to the crowd and he now is about to talk about John and he's going to give John the greatest compliment he never heard. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Just because God isn't bragging to you doesn't mean he's not bragging about you. Just because you're not hearing the word doesn't mean he's not saying the word. You might be in a season that he does not want to discount you from because there's a stretch that he needs to continue to hear a yes in so that you can walk in the rest of your life. Because there's a mantle that you can only carry when you build the faith muscles to do it. And if God gave us everything we wanted, when we wanted it, we would be a bunch of just spoiled, soft kids. I'm not going to, okay. My wife said, don't go there for me. I looked at one of my kids the other day, I said, you're soft. I'm just going to go there. i was like, man, you are soft, bro. You got to get some grit to you. We've made it too easy for you. He said, but dad, isn't it the life you prayed for me for? I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, okay. I'm going to change my prayer life. (laughs) Careful what you ask for. Matthew. He turned. (laughs) Some of y'all parents laughed a little too hard. Kids, watch out. (laughs) Here we go. Let's go to verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, he speaks to the crowd about John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I'll tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That's Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, by the way. Look at verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of a woman, and that's every human being, in case you were wondering, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. He couldn't tell the disciples of John the Baptist that. Hey, let John know, I think pretty highly of him. No, he waits, then he turns, and he's talking to the crowd. He gave the best compliment that John never heard. I've, I've wrestled with that. I was like, God, why? That just feels cruel to me. He couldn't tell him like, oh, by the way, guess what your cousin said about you. It was awesome. We were sitting, he started tweeting about you, hashtag JTB, hashtag Cuzzo, you know. Like, it's trending on Twitter right now. Like, you're getting all kinds of follow requests. You can't see them because you're in prison, but we're, we're handling the account. No. See, some of us, like sometimes in my own ministry, I'm like, God, where are you? God, bless the mess. God, give me a word. God, X, Y, Z. God, blah, blah, blah. And and it doesn't happen. And I'm I'm like stuck. And God says, are you still going to give me your yes? Are you still going to give me your yes in the stretch of confusion, of comparison? I said it already. I'll say it again. Just because he isn't talking to you doesn't mean he isn't talking about you. I can imagine a God who's looking at your life and your circumstances right now, who has counted your tears, who has been there more than you even realize, and he's looking at an angel, and he's saying, okay, it's almost time. It's almost time. Look, she has been faithful. She hasn't thrown in the towel. She hasn't given up the prayer closet. She hasn't compromised. Look at him. He keeps taking it on the chin, and he keeps getting up, and he keeps saying, God, I don't get it. And guess what, angel? Now it's time. Release the power, release the glory, release the blessing because they won't crush him this time. Now he has developed the stretch. He's developed the fortitude. He's developed the faithfulness to be obedient and humble with the blessing. Now give it to him. And it might not look how you're praying, (laughs) but he is faithful. His promises are yes and amen. Can I give you one more? My favorite passage of scripture. Woo, hallelujah, water bottles falling. Second Chronicles 16.9. There's a battle going on and this is actually part of a correction. But I'm going to read to you this because it gives us the heart of God. It's the first part of Second Chronicles 16.9. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, you don't have to wonder if God hears you, you crying out to him. He's actually actively searching for faithful people. My pastor always says, God is not looking for great men and women to make faithful. He's looking for faithful men and women to do great great things through. God is not looking for great men and women to make them faithful. He's looking for faithful men and women to do great things through. God breathes life. God actively searches when we're in the stretch of collaboration. I'm going to take two and a half minutes. In my first closing. (laughs) The stretch of collaboration. Your pastor talked to you about relationship last week. Pastor Fred shared, and he gave a power. If you missed last week's message, and you are a part of this church, you need to go watch it. It was the heart that God has imparted. The word that God has imparted into your pastor's heart for this house, and I'm telling you, it blessed me. I'm going to steal it and preach it to Freedom Life next week. I was <laughs> oh, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> he talked about relationship. He talked about calling. He talked about collaboration. My mentor, pastor. I quote my pastor all the time. He's an amazing man of God in Chicago named Scott, and he always says this. He says, "In the body of Christ, the st- the, the the bones, the structure." That's like the systems, that's networks, that's, that's discipleship. That's, that's the stuff no one ever sees. The skin in the body of Christ is the gathering. It's what you hear in the music. It's what the room looks and feels like and how it, it connects to the community and outreach. But the muscle, the muscle in the body of Christ is relationship. Nothing moves in the body of Christ without people walking in relationship with each other. But there is a stretch in collaboration. Because God, like your pastor said, will call us to collaborate with people who are not like us, who don't think like us, who don't act like us, sometimes don't even talk like us, and God is calling us into what He said, your pastor said, divine relationships. And they come at a cost. Why? Why did God make us work together? And this is, I believe, God's answer for us collaboratively collaboratively, is you matter more than you could ever realize. It's not as bad as you think it is in confusion. You're doing better than you think you are in comparison. And in collaboration, you matter more than you could ever realize. Let's go back to Matthew 11, the second part of verse 11. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. So he had some great stuff to say about John the Baptist. And then he says this, but I'm establishing a church. And when that church comes together for the king... For the glory of God, what they will accomplish is even greater things than him. In fact, Jesus, like your pastor told us last week, goes on to say, they're going to do greater things than I have done because I'm going to the Father. That's the power of collaboration. That's why there needs to be a yes. When when, when it's hard for me to take this card six months from now and say, man, oh gosh, I know I made that faith promise. Mm. That's the power of the stretch to say, you know what, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray for the house. I'm actually going to be a contributor to the kingdom of God and I'm going to use the gifts he put inside of me and I'm going to stand at the front door and I'm going to welcome somebody or I'm going to serve in the children's ministry or I'm going to show up at the outreach thing. I am going to do my part because Pastor Fred isn't called to do all of our parts. Pastor Vanessa, she can do a lot, but she's not called to do all of our parts. Nobody else is called to do my part and I don't want there to be a hole in the line because I'm not there. I will say yes under the stress. I will say yes in the stretch. I will say yes in the mess. And I will trust that he's going to show up. I don't know what God is, how God is stretching you. I have enough trouble trying to keep up with how he stretches me, honestly. But I know this. I know everything God has called this church to involves all the partners that he's planted here. God (laughs) changes the world through groups of faithful human beings who will keep leaning into what he's doing. If he's called you to it, he will see you through it. This community needs you. This church, I'm just telling you, Need you. Your pastors need you. The kingdom of God is counting on you. You know that you are the only plan that God has put in place for the redemption of this community. Did you know that the answer to every problem out there starts here? And I'm going to just say one more thing to you no one else is coming, it's you and me. It's you and me standing up every day for the kingdom of God and saying yes in the stretch that is going to make a difference because our yes invites the kingdom of God to breathe life and blessing into the faithfulness of our expression. And God transforms the community. He transforms a hearts and minds. God has always worked through faithful men and women all through here up until this moment, and he's going to do it the rest of the season that he's called you to be here through you. The question is, will you give him your yes when the stretch shows up? I'm going to pray for us if I could. I'm going to invite you just to open your hearts. In fact, why don't we stand? Let's just stand where you are. If somebody near you is asleep, you can just nudge them and say it's over. Just don't miss the blessing. I want to pray for us. If you don't mind just closing your eyes and stilling your heart. Uh, prayer partners, uh, I, think, uh, I think we'll do that. I don't know. Let me just pray. Lord, first of all, Lord, we bless and pray for pastors Fred and Vanessa. Pastor Juice, Father God, we just just pray that we thank you that you are the God that heals. We thank you for their honor of you. The integrity of the mantle that you've put in their lives. And that you've established them as faithful leaders for a faithful church in a fruitful community. Lord, I ask... You said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Lord, would, would you raise up a faithful army here at City Life who continue to say yes through the stretch, who continue to serve and pray and give and represent the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven, not just now, but seven months from now, eight months from now, Lord, would you just show us, dear God, which of these we need to find you in and where we need to cling to your truth. That it's not as bad as we feel right now. It's, it's, it, that we might be doing better than we actually realize and, and, and that we matter more than we could ever understand. Lord, we thank you for the story that you're writing. And we just bless it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.